When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Hi, Awesomes! Welcome back to another episode in our Extra Awesome series. You know, from time to time, we take a break from our regular schedule to talk to people who are doing awesome things in the world. As a quick reminder, something we never take a break from is hanging out with all of you on Instagram. If you haven't already, we would love for you to come over and follow us on Instagram at Sorta Awesome Show. You will get a reminder every single week when our regular episodes of Sorta Awesome drop on Fridays. We also share fun and funny memes over there. And also every Friday, you can come tell us all about your awesome of the week. So again, if you haven't already found us on Instagram, we would love for you to join us over there at Sorta Awesome Show. All right. Well, today I'm so excited to welcome back to Sorta Awesome a very familiar fantastic friend of ours, Jessica Turner. Jessica has stopped by a few times to talk about all kinds of things on Sorta Awesome, including her favorite books and reading recommendations. She has shared encouragement for working moms. She has told us all about how she is becoming smarter and stronger and more social. I'm going to put a link to all of the show notes from Jessica's past appearances here on Sorta Awesome. But Jessica, hello and welcome back to Sorta Awesome. Hi, it feels like I've come home. Thanks so much for having me again. (laughs) We love to have you every time you're here. Absolutely. For those of you awesomes who need a quick reminder of who Jessica is, Jessica is a working mom with three kids and she and her husband, Matthew, live in Nashville. Lots of you are probably familiar with her popular lifestyle blog, The Mom Creative. She is the author of the best-selling book, The Fringe Hours, Making Time for You, which we have talked about on Sorta Awesome. And I am so excited that today we are talking about her very, very soon-to-be-released new book called Stretched Too Thin, How Working Moms Can Lose the Guilt, Work Smarter, and Thrive. Jessica Turner, if there is one person on this planet who is so well-equipped to write this book. It is you. So I'm so excited. It's finally coming out into the world. I'm just dying. I'm so, so excited about it. It feels like I have been writing this book for years because I have been and living its message, both the stretch too thin side and the thrive side. I feel like some people think that, oh, if I've written this book on thriving, that I must have all of the answers and everything is perfect and 
my home looks like Pottery Barn and all the things. And that is absolutely <laughs> not true. But I'm just so excited about having this conversation because 70% of American moms, American women working, this is a conversation we need to be having because a lot of us are living stretched too thin. Oh my gosh. I had no idea about that statistic, girl. I know. That's a lot of us. 70% uh-huh, of women with kids under the ages of 18 work. So that wow. is a lot of us. And people ask me, how do you define work? Or they'll say, you know, all moms are working moms, which yes, all moms work. I'm not saying that is not true. But in this particular case, I'm talking about women who are bringing in some sort of income, have some sort of additional work responsibility outside of managing a home and a family. Gotcha. Gotcha. That totally makes sense. It really does. And what's been interesting for me as a person, as I've you know gone through my 30s and now into my 40s, a lot of women like myself and my peers and colleagues are women who were full-time stay-at-home moms for a while. And then as kids got older, they kind of transitioned back into doing some kind of work. So I think that's such an interesting thing about women in the way we live out our family lives and our work lives. It's not always one set thing. Sometimes the lines get a little blurred. We're kind of going back and forth sometimes. Absolutely. And, you know, honestly, that's why I hate the phrase work-life balance, because mm -hmm. it's not like work is separate from the rest of life, right? Absolutely. Work is a part of life. Mm -hmm. And so there's really no such thing as this perfect work-life balance that likes to be thrown out, I feel like, particularly in corporate America and in the media. Yes, absolutely. Well, you and I have not even talked about this at all. So this is a completely, I'm coming at this question from a totally authentic place. Of, I would love to hear what your inspiration was in writing Stretch Too Thin. I know that for many years, especially as the sort of mom blog or family life blog came into being, you were one of really just a handful of voices who, you know, was really like, I'm a full-time working mom and I'm also doing the blogging thing. And so I know, I would imagine, I guess I should say that through the years, you've really connected with women who are also working in various ways outside of the home and have been hearing some of the struggles and like you said, living it out. I'm wondering how that kind of all came together and where your sort of like tipping point was to say, you know what, I'm just gonna write a book about this. Right, well, a couple different things happened. So a lot of awesomes will know about my first book, The Fringe Hours, Making Time for You. We've talked about it here on the show a couple of times. And so when I signed the book deal for that, I actually signed a two book deal, oh, nice. not knowing what the second book would be. And right. The reason for that, I really didn't want to. I told my agent, I do not want to sign a two-book deal. I just want to write this one book, The Fringe Hours. I don't want to be an author. And then every publisher wanted me to sign a two-book deal <laughs> that we were talking to. And my husband is an author. And he said, you know, it's really better for you to sign a two-book deal because the publishing house would be more invested in you, you oh. know, because they have to cultivate a relationship with you and work with you for many years. And so that made sense to me. And so I said, okay, well, surely we'll figure it out. So I knew I had to write a second book and I had no idea what it was going to be after the fringe hours. And I thought, you know what? I should really slow down. That would be a really interesting book. This working mom at the time I had two kids, you know, I'm going to do an experiment on slowing down. And after six months, I couldn't figure it out. Right. <laughs> I went back to my publisher and I said, I am not the girl. I'm not in the season of life. This is not for me. Actually, I had three kids, not two at the time. And so I said, well, what can I write about? I don't know. I don't know what I'm going to write about. And you know, as I thought about what do I know, working was something that I know a lot about. I have always worked full time. I worked for seven years at a PR firm. And then now I've worked in corporate America and healthcare for more than seven years. And so 
working a 40 hour week job, you know, in an office is an experience that I've had. And I don't know of a lot of bloggers who have that experience and have a platform like I have online. And so I thought maybe there's something here. So I did a survey of 2000 working moms <gasps> to get a sense of what they struggled with. Yeah, that's wait, that's I just need to stop and pause for a minute. Because that's a lot. Usually when you know, we're talking about, well, I did a little survey, maybe it's a couple of hundred people or, you know, but 2000 working women, working moms. That's amazing. It was amazing. And Megan, those people came in in droves. I think the survey was only open a couple days and I shut it down. I was like, this is plenty to look at. I had 500 pages of open-ended responses and over and over the drumbeat was that they were stretched too thin. Now, how they were stretched too thin was different, right? Sometimes it was in their marriage. Sometimes it was at home. Sometimes it was with work boundaries, self-care, parenting, guilt and comparison and all of those feelings. And I was like, huh, I really have something here. And so I decided to develop an online course. I was looking at diversifying the type of content I was producing online and thought this would be really interesting. So I still hadn't necessarily realized I was going to write a book about this. So I did the course and another 2000 women signed up for it. <gasps> oh and I was like, my okay. gosh. It's insanity. And yes. so- 2000 women went through the course and I didn't get any negative feedback about it. It was all positive and had a really vibrant Facebook community around the course that's still active. And it's been two years now, I think, since I first launched that course. And so I thought, okay, we've got something here. So I went to my publisher and I said, I know this is probably not what you want me to write, but this is what I think I should write. And they loved it and really embraced it and let me run with it. And so I took some of the course content and then did a whole lot more research. I interviewed working moms. I interviewed experts. I did a lot of research. There's more than 100 citations in the book. So really wanted it to be not just my story of my working mom experience, but what is the working mom experience in America? I think it leans a little bit to the corporate experience only because that's my experience. But I think any mom, part-time, full-time working, stay-at-home working mom, corporate job like me is going to find value in this because we all are stretched too thin, right? Like this is a universal theme. Absolutely. That was such a long answer. No, that is so fascinating. I think that it is super clear that this is a segment of our culture that is not really being like reached out to and kind of seen. And the reason I say that is because coming from, you know, I've done work at home mom thing for a long time. But before that, I was a full-time stay-at-home mom. And I can remember book after book would come across my radar really targeted to and specifically written for encouraging and uplifting the stay-at-home mom. And listen, I did the stay-at-home mom thing for a long time, and there's definitely a need for encouragement and support in that. But Jessica, like, where are the books reaching out to and seeing and kind of like coming alongside and supporting working moms? Like, I never see those come across my radar. No, because they're not out there. I think Laura Vanderkam is the author who best rights to working women, but she doesn't write specifically to moms. Moms are part of her audience, but she doesn't write specifically just for moms. But there is not anything out there. Everything I was finding was like how to go back to work and breastfeed, you know, like that right. was that was the content I was finding. And this is much broader and deeper than that. So I'm so excited about it, not because I think I'm the best person for it, but just I'm the person that's talking about it right now. And I think it's something that we need to talk about. Absolutely. I can't believe it's 2018. And it's like, where are the books for the working moms? But I'm serious when I say, I cannot think of anyone else who could speak this message the way that you do. I mean, you are 
you have this endless amount of energy and you get so much done. And yet at the same time in your book, you are so honest, so open and honest about where some of the struggle points have been for you. In fact, that leads me to my first question really about some of the things you cover in the book. And I love that you really acknowledge that one of the early points for you as you were navigating being a working woman and being a mom is running into this tension that you had a job that you loved. Like you said, you were working in PR, you loved the job. But as you started to grow into family life and like sort of the reality of what family life was going to look like for you and Matthew and your children at the time, you realized there's tension here. I cannot figure out how to make it work. So I was wondering if you could just kind of walk us through that situation from that job and how, you know, like how it all played out and led you to the job that you've had now for several years. Yeah. So I started out at one of the top PR firms in Nashville, right out of college. Three weeks after I graduated, I bought my first car, moved across the country to Nashville, moved into a small basement apartment and started this job. And so I was green, 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 21 years old, just getting started. And it was a firm run by a single mom. Actually, her son, I think, was in high school at the time when I started there. And she is just a powerhouse. I mean, phenomenal at the work that she does. And there was just the agency culture, which is very common, I think, in most agencies that you are going to be available to your clients pretty much around the clock. So you're going to be checking email when you wake up. You're going to be checking email before bed. If they want something that seems unreasonable, you're still going to get it done anyway. And that is why our clients loved us and partly why we did such great work, right? And it fit with my boundless energy and love of work. And I am somebody who does love to work and loves the work that I do. But I did, as our family grew, I realized that I couldn't give that 180% all of the time. Mm, yeah. And so I realized that it was in the best interest of my family, of me personally, and honestly, the agency for me to look for another job. Now, I was pregnant with my second child when I was thinking about this. And so wasn't anticipating looking for another job until after I had my daughter. And I loved that place and loved the people there. I mean, they were the ones who were at the hospital when I had my babies because I don't have family in Nashville and celebrated my wedding. And I mean, love, love, love those women. And so it was a hard decision for me to even think about that. But I knew that was what I needed to do. Well, while I was pregnant, an opportunity came up to work at the healthcare company that I work at now. And it's one of the most respected healthcare brands in America. And huge, huge company, really a phenomenal opportunity that I just couldn't say no to. And so at six months pregnant, I left the firm and went to this new job, went to a corporate environment, which was very unfamiliar to me with a team of 40, 50 people, whereas the agency had about 10 of us. And it was a big change, yeah. a big, big change, but it was absolutely what I needed and what my family needed. And I was able to have much better boundaries and leave my work at work and not be so attached to the work that I was doing 24-7. So it was really the right decision, even though it was a hard decision. And I think oftentimes the biggest, best decisions for us are hard decisions. So that doesn't surprise me as I look back on that time, but it was hard and it can definitely be hard for, I feel like most women, you are wanting to be your best in so many different areas. And so to realize that you are not being able to be your best in the work that you are doing and that something needs to change, but you still want to work, 
and finding that right fit is so hard. It's so, so hard. Yes. I love that you share that story because I've heard different sort of strains of that story come up in the lives of lots of my friends in the sense that they super, super loved their job and they also super loved being a mom. And so the fact that they couldn't do both, like you said, 180% on both, you know, in both areas made them feel like kind of like they were failing at everything. When ultimately what it came down to is that sometimes navigating through that tension means I may love this job, but it's not where I fit right now. And kind of having the courage, I mean, to leave that job that you had when you were six months pregnant is pretty huge. And then to take on a new position. That's a lot of life change at once, Jessica. (laughs) It was a lot. And I'm a horrible pregnant person. So I also feel like my employer didn't get the real Jessica Turner for about 18 months. You know, I had to (laughs) finish being pregnant, have the baby and Adeline didn't sleep for, you know, 18 months. So it was a long time before I felt like I was really running (laughs) at full speed. I bet that's right. Yeah. You know, I think what you say is so true for so many areas of life. Like it's difficult to give 110% to anything, Mm -hmm. right? And so I think that we have to be comfortable a lot of times with good enough is good enough and that we don't need the Pinterest perfect XYZ, whatever that is in that moment. And that you are a good mom, even if you love your job. Like, let me say that loud and clear again and again, like you can love work and love your children at the same time. That doesn't have to be an either or thing. Absolutely. It is not either or it is both. And you can love your work and love being a mom and having a family. And that really leads into what I want to talk about next, because I know this is something that I feel like you even begin to uncover this message and really help women understand this in the fringe hours. And that's this idea of sort of shaking off guilt that we have, whether it is guilt that people, you know, maybe people have put upon us, or sometimes it's even just something that comes up within our own selves internally. We guilt and shame ourselves for things. And, you know, it doesn't help that truly, even in this era that we live in now, even though lots of us grew up with moms who were working at least part-time, a lot of times full-time, you still hear stories in various circles of somebody is, uh, they're working, they love their job, they get pregnant, and they hear these little comments from people like, oh, I can't believe, I just can't imagine what it would be like to send my baby to daycare and have somebody else, you know, raise my baby or all these terrible things that people say that is one area of guilt. And then, like I said, sometimes you have this internal thing of like, you have to miss a school assembly or, you know, various things that happen that are just the reality of being a working mom. I feel like you really give women the freedom to push back against that guilt in the book. And I would love if you can share just a few, because there's a ton of stuff in the chapter in the book, but I would love to hear just a couple of practical ways to fight back against the guilt, either coming from the outside or from the inside. I think a really important lesson that I've learned and something that I have to keep learning again and again is to recognize when guilt is creeping in and figure out where that's coming from because there might be a change that you need to make or something that you need to learn or a conversation that you need to have that that feeling of guilt can push you toward. Ah, that's interesting. I like that. So for instance, if you are always feeling guilty because you have to work at the same time that your child has a soccer game, like you work Saturdays and Saturdays are when your son plays soccer. 
can you talk to your boss about changing your schedule so that you can have both the things? You can work and you cannot have that feeling. Now, sometimes feelings of guilt rise up and it is our own undoing. You know, we look at Instagram and we see everyone's highlight reel and we feel guilt because we didn't throw the party that was that elaborate, right? Or we didn't go on that type of vacation and we feel guilty because we couldn't do that vacation because we were working and we didn't have the time off. I think that is a time where you just need to nip that in the bud and tell yourself the truths that are against that feeling of guilt, right? That you are a good mom, that your kid doesn't want that party, that your kid doesn't care. I'm one of those moms that throws elaborate parties and my kids say, you know, can we just go to the pizza place? Like they don't even appreciate it. They're such little jerks. I mean, they will someday, but sometimes I'm like, guys, no, we're having the full blown whole nine yards here. You you do throw an amazing party. You guys have to go to the mom creative and see some of Jessica's past birthday parties because they're stunning. They really are. And I love that your kids are like, could we just maybe do Chuck E. Cheese? Yeah, go to Chuck E. Cheese. I'm like, guys, no, like, come on, let me have my fun. (laughs) But, you know, like, realize where that feeling is coming from. Like, are you comparing what you think your life should be to somebody else's highlight reel? And that's not even true. Is that guilt self-imposed? Like, are you feeling guilty because your family ate pizza? Guess what? Everybody's family eats pizza some nights. Like, this is not making you a bad mom. You should not feel guilty about this. And so I think recognize, like, is there something here that is teaching me something of a change that I do need to make or I should make or I want to make? Or is this just a lie that I'm telling myself and I need to stop with this? And I think the more you do that, the more quickly you can then recognize it's happening and you can squash it before it really becomes this burning feeling in your belly. Oh my gosh, that is so smart. And I think that that's so in alignment with some of the things we've talked about on Sort of Awesome that sometimes when you bump up against the negative to stop and sit with it for a few minutes and and really like figure out, is this trying to teach me something? I love that we can even take guilt, no matter our circumstances, we can take guilt and examine it, kind of turn it upside down and all around and look at it to see, is there a teaching moment here? And, but then sometimes it just needs to be released out into the world too. So. Okay. Well, I am so curious because I myself have written, well, I co-wrote a book, which means I've only technically written half of a book. But I even know in that, that as we went through the editing process, we had to cut words and we had to leave entire paragraphs, half of chapters on the cutting room floor, things that didn't end up making it into the book that I co-wrote with a friend for moms with new babies. So I'm so curious, this is your second go at writing a book, and I'm so curious if there is something that just didn't make it into the book, maybe a story from your own life, or some advice that you have thought of since, something that didn't make it into the book, but it's still on your heart to share with working women, working moms who are listening right now. So you are a more thorough writer than me, because my editing process involved adding about 8,000 words <laughs> to my book. There was nothing left on the floor. What was really interesting, something that was really important to me in writing Stretch Too Thin was that moms really felt represented, right? And I am a mom who has a 10-year-old, a 7-year-old, and a 3-year-old. And as I was reading through the book and editing the book, I recognized that it skewed a little mom with young kid versus mom Mm -hmm. with older kids. And so something that I did in the process of the editing experience was talk to moms Mm -hmm. of teenagers. And I gave them the 
parenting chapter and I said, what's missing here? What would you add to your own story? And added, I don't know, a couple thousand words of fleshed out experiences with teenagers to really make that sing, I felt like, and be a a much more well-rounded experience. That said, one thing that I talk about in the book that I'm really proud of and that I wish I maybe would have camped on even more because early readers of the book, it's really resonated with them, is the concept of mental Mm. load. I don't know if you were familiar with that before you read the book. It was a new concept to me, and I found it out through doing some interviews for the book. But the idea is that Rolodex of things that we are constantly thinking about in the backs of our minds, you know, that we're out of toilet paper, we need to buy it, we need to sign up our kid for camp, we need to go make that doctor's appointment, we need to cancel that other appointment and call the electrician, all of those things. That mental load that women carry is a significant burden, a significant amount of time and energy and resource. and, And frankly, it feels like another job. And I wish I would have gone even more in depth on mental load because I think it is so fascinating. And women have been like, oh, that's so me. And I know when I was writing, I was like, this is the name for the thing that I'm always talking about. Like, if you only knew what was in my head, Matthew, my husband, like you would realize how exhausted I am all the time, right? And so I think I would like to just encourage working moms to recognize that mental load and also figure out if there might be some things that you can delegate so that that load is not as strong that you can give to your spouse, that you can give to your kids, that you can, you know, sign up for Amazon Prime and Grove Collaborative and have stuff just automatically come to your door so you aren't thinking about having to buy toilet paper and and that type of thing. Because I do think that when you recognize that, oh, this is a thing, you can better handle it and you can better delegate the tasks on that list. Yes, exactly. That is such a true point. I think that you are right that it's very specific to women. Of course, we're painting with broad strokes, but I do think that that is so specific to women in all ages and stages of life. Do we take on these loads? And it's like you said, it is like a Rolodex. It just spins through your mind of, I got to get to this and this and this. So love it. So well spoken about how that impacts the dynamics in our family life. So Okay, I cannot let you go away from Sort of Awesome without asking you one thing that is not directly related to the book, but people will be mad if I do not ask you this because all of us know that when it comes to books and reading, you have great taste and you always have some great recommendations. In fact, not only am I going to ask you to share some, you like to talk about books so much that you do have an Instagram just for your book talk, book snobbery on Instagram, which we will link to in the show notes. But I have to know, what are some books that you've read, you know, just somewhat recently that you really found to be like, oh my gosh, I'm going to tell everybody about these books. So the book that I have talked about most on podcasts as I've been doing all these interviews for Stretch Too Thin is The Memoir Educated. Have you guys talked about it yet? Yes. Like probably at nauseum, right? Yes. Like I can't stop talking about it. So let me just go ahead and say that so that there is consistency no matter what podcast you hear me on talking about books. Educated is, I think, the best memoir I've ever read. The best fiction book that I've read this year is The Heart's Invisible Furies, which actually came out in 2017. Obsessed with that book. I just will never forget reading it. Mm -hmm. Then a older book that I just picked up this year. I've really been trying to do a better job of reading my shelves because I have hundreds of books that I've curated that I know are great titles if I've paid for them and I have not read them yet. 
And so I've been doing a better job of, I think, reading some older books. So this is an older one, but it's called The Wet Nurse's Tale. Mm. And for my historical fiction lovers out there, this was a five-star read for me. It is about a wet nurse and her experience. And I loved it. I devoured it in 24 hours. It was phenomenal. It took place in the 1800s and really, really great storytelling, something I had not read before. So historical fiction lovers, I think that is a phenomenal book to pick up. And then I love listening to audiobooks as well. I think particularly being a busy working mom, being able to listen to books on the go helps me to consume more books. And so an audiobook that I really loved is it's called In the Country We Love. Have you heard of this book? That sounds familiar. Yeah. So it was written by Diane Guerrero, who is on Orange is the New Black. And her parents were deported when she was 14 and had no record of her. And she basically was just left alone at 14. Wow. It is her memoir of this experience, both growing up in a home, always being afraid of her parents being deported, her parents trying for 20 plus years to get citizenship and not being able to. And I loved it. And I think particularly given the circumstances in America today, like this is a really relevant read, whether you read it or listen to it. I loved listening to her and listening to her imitate her parents' Colombian accents and really enjoyed the audiobook. But I think that's an important listen. And then I also loved I'm Still Here, Austin Channing Brown's new book, another phenomenal one that I really enjoyed listening to. In fact, I enjoyed it so much that I bought the physical copy because I felt like I needed to sit with it and highlight her words and read it again. Really fantastic. Totally. Yes. Oh, those are so great. Of course, we'll put links in the show notes. And as you're talking, I was like, oh my gosh, I just remembered we haven't actually talked about educated on this show, but Laura Tremaine on her mid-year books and reading episode on Smartest Person in the Room talked extensively about educated. So I'm going to put a link to that episode in the show notes for you guys. It's really something that's one that I actually listened to. And it is definitely one that will stay with you for sure. So Okay, enough talking about other people's books. Let's talk about Stretch Too Thin and what everybody needs to know about its release later this month and all of the fun stuff that you have planned building up to the book launch. Thanks. So Stretch Too Thin releases on September 18th, but if you are smart, you will pre-order it. And here's why. Typically, the price is a little lower when you pre-order a book, but even better than that is that we're giving away a whole bunch of free bonuses. So when you pre-order Stretch Too Thin, you will get the audiobook for free. And then you'll also get that online course that I talked about earlier in the episode, Stretch Too Thin, 10 Days to Overcoming the Hustle and Thriving as a Working Mom. So both of those you'll get absolutely free. You just go to stretchtothinbook.com and there's a little form to fill it out there and we will send you those freebies. Now, another bonus, if you pre-order 10 or more copies, you'll actually get an equal number of copies of my book, My Fringe Hours which is a really fun little bonus. It's a little hardcover gift book. And so 10 or more copies will also get you that. So that basically splits the price of both of those in half. It works out to, I don't know, like six, $7 a book. So if you've got teacher gifts or girlfriend gifts or small groups that you're looking to buy gifts for, you could buy 10 copies of Stretch Too Thin and you'll get those 10 copies of My Fringe Hours for free, as well as 10 audiobooks, 10 Stretch Too Thin courses and all of that good stuff. So all of that's on stretchtoothinbook.com, but those are only available until the book comes out. So just for pre-order here for the next couple of weeks. Oh my gosh. Holy wow. I'm so glad I asked what all you have planned because that is a lot. 
And it is perfect timing that you mentioned teacher gifts. It's like literally never too early to start thinking about teacher gifts. It is especially never too early. When you have a lot of kids <laughs> and they have a lot of teachers. I've always, I start, right. you taught me this, stockpiling early those teacher gifts and hello, perfect timing for that. Right. And you could totally go in with a friend too, right? Like each of you get five books, then you'll get the five gift books too. You can give them to a couple people, keep it for yourself super easy and you'll save a ton of money and then you're done. You don't have to be stressed about any of it. You've done it now. So smart you are, Jessica Turner. Please remind everybody (laughs) where we can find you on social media to tell you congratulations on your book launch or just to just say hi and talk about all the things. So where are you all around the web? Okay. Instagram is my favorite stomping ground. I'm Jessica N. Turner on there. And then also my book account, like you mentioned, Book Snobbery. I am Jessica N. Turner on Twitter. And you can find me on facebook.com slash themomcreative. Perfect. Well, just as a reminder, you can find me on social media at Sorta Awesome Meg. Sorta Awesome is over on Twitter at Sorta Awesome Pod. Jessica is in the Hangout group. You can find us there at facebook.com slash groups slash Sorta Awesome Hangout. And for show notes on this and every episode, don't forget you can always find us at Sorta Awesome Show.com. Jessica, thank you for taking the time to be here. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Like I said, it feels like coming home. It's my favorite podcast to be on. Oh, well, thank you for that. Awesome. Thank you guys so much for listening. And we'll see y'all next time. Sorta Awesome was created and is hosted by me, Meg Teets. Sarah Robertson is our assistant producer and production collaboration comes from Kelly Gordon and Rebecca Hoffer. Kelly Gordon is our digital media producer and we are so thankful for the ongoing support from our listener supporters. Music is provided by the band Prager. You can find more of Prager's music at pragermusic.com. To find show notes on this and every episode of Sorta Awesome, and also to spread the Sorta Awesome love to all of your friends, you can head on over to sortaawesomeshow.com. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.